let me introduce you, your host on Let's Talk Podcast, the one, the only, Philip! Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Podcast. This is episode 132. I'm your host, Philip, and today we're going to talk about Marvel Comics, Marvel characters, and the MCU. And today, I have a guest who joined me, who is the host of Marvel A to C podcast, James. Welcome to the show, man. Hi, Phil. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Uh, thanks for having the time. Um, the first question I want to ask you is: What is if? Do you remember what is your first Marvel comic that you ever got? Uh, the first one I ever got was probably given to me by just a friend of my dad's. He noticed that we had some superhero video games laying around the house when he visited one time. So he gave me a collected edition of Fantastic Four's second volume. So this was published in like the early 60s. And I didn't really know what I was getting myself into, but I read that and I was really swept away by how massive the world building seemed. And ever since then, I've been reading Marvel comics. So I was probably like, I think nine or ten years old when that happened. Oh wow! Okay, okay. Uh, I can't even remember what's my first Marvel comics at all. Uh, I remember the Super yeah. Thins. It might be like something like Spider Man issues. Oh yeah. Uh, or Captain America or the Hulk, the well known characters. Um, those Pepper Thin. Now I, I want to ask you this. Now, for me, I back you know when I was a kid, I used to buy Marvel comics. I used to not read the story when I was a kid. I just look at the picture, the artwork. Well, about you. Um, I can't hear you. Uh, I think we're, you're getting cut off. Hmm. Hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay, so yeah, I was just saying, I don't think you're the only one who did that. Probably a lot of people did enjoy just looking at some of that fantastic art. But no, by the time I got into it, I was I was pretty much reading regularly, so I enjoyed the the stories for what they were. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Now I'm about comics. For a while, internally for a while. I don't remember when that's not about comic. And but you know, now do you remember what is the word if you know what, let's take it back. What is the best Marvel story for or in terms of Marvel comics that you ever read? Um, I think if I had to pick out one that I thought was the best, I would choose the Secret Wars storyline from two thousand and fifteen. Are you familiar with that at all? I heard about it, but I'm not familiar. Like I said, I'm pretty off for quite some okay. time. <laughs> yeah, no. So Secret Wars was written by Jonathan Hickman, who's a real mogul of the current Marvel comic scene. And he did base it around Fantastic Four, but it also included pretty much everybody in the current Marvel Universe. And it resulted in the ultimate Marvel Universe, which is an alternative storytelling of Marvel colliding with the mainstream Marvel Universe that we follow, which is known as the 616 Universe, right? So those collide... And then the famous villain, Dr. Doom, does what he can to save them and creates a new world in his image. And the Secret Wars event tells the story of the heroes trying to get things back to normal, essentially. But it's a really cataclysmic event, and there's so many long-lasting repercussions from it that it just feels really impactful and universal. So that's my, oh, that's that's my favorite of all time right now. Oh, that's pretty awesome story. I, I gotta check that out. So yeah, yeah, know, that's a good one. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty... They need to make a movie of it. <laughs> <laughs> MCU. Trust me, I am waiting for that to happen. 
And <laughs> who knows? We might get it in the next phase. Not this upcoming phase, but we'll we'll talk about more names to you in a while. But now, okay. what is the what Marvel comic that you bought that you have regret that is not really good? That disappointed. You know, I try not to look at it that way, like, you know, because because no matter what I consume, if it's Marvel related and it's making me a more knowledgeable person about the Marvel mythos and with me having the podcast Marvel A to Z, it's important then to know about all the different facets in the Marvel universe. Right. So, you know, that's one thing. But I, I guess if I had to say which one I regret buying, maybe it's the it's the storyline called War of the Realms, which was another event. And so event comics are where a whole bunch of different lines and different characters all come into play. So that's why they're called an event, because it's not just one uh, individual we're following. It's a whole bunch of people involved with one event. And so this one called War of the Realms is a little bit messy. It's, it's centered mostly around Thor and his villains, but a lot of different people came into it. And I found them for pretty cheap at a discount store. So I picked a bunch up, just happy to have another event that I could complete all of them. But... It's, um, you know, Marvel has a problem with maybe doing an event every summer. And so every year when you read that the universe is coming to an end, it becomes a little unbelievable and a little stale, right? So sometimes people get on to Marvel for having that happen every year. So I, I, I think if I had to pick one that I don't really think, eh, maybe I shouldn't have picked all these up. It would probably be the War of the Realms event. Okay, okay. Yeah, I got you, I got you. Now, now I, I, like I mentioned earlier, I used to buy a paper thin uh, comic or any comics for that matter, whether it's Marvel, DC, whatever. Um, now I remember I used to buy thin papers and it used to be like out of order because you started to keep track. Issue number one, and you mm-hmm. buy issue number ten <laughs> or right, issue right. fifteen, whatever. Now they have graphic novels put together, which is I think it's easier for me. Do you oh, prefer yeah. graphic novels or th- paper thin? Yeah, so there's there's pros and cons to both, right? Because um, what I like about those um, paperback issues and the individual issues is that, well, you get, a, you get a chance to see some really beautiful art that they have on the covers, as well as variant art. So, for example, you could have, um, you know, Wolverine number one, and they might hire 12 artists to do a different cover for it. And then some are going to be more rare than others, and some you're going to see everywhere. But if you like the art, then, you know, go for it, whether it's rare or not. So I love the opportunity for so many artists to do that. So I like the individual issues. But at the same time, you're right, it can be hard to find, a, you know, a whole bunch of uh, issues that go in a row and to collect them all and keep them nice and in good condition. And then another facet a lot of people don't consider, but this is an issue for me, is when I am reading a comic and I'm really deep into the story and then I get an advertisement for a new type of bubble gum in the middle of a page, you know? And yeah. luckily the graphic novels don't have those, but the individual issues do, so... If it's a line I'm really into or an author that I'm following their current stuff, I'll collect the individual issues, but I'm really big on collected graphic novels like you are. Yeah, okay. Got it. Now, I mentioned about, the, you know, like I used to just look at the artwork and, you know, clues mm-hmm. to the artist. Who's your favorite artist in terms of Marvel? That that, that is such a good question. Um. Gosh, uh, Isad Ribic is the one who did Secret Wars, and I don't want to just go back to Secret Wars again and again for <laughs> how good it is, but I mean, the art is really something unique. He also did uh, Jason Aaron's Thor, which tells the story of Gore the God Butcher, who's going to be the villain in the newest Thor movie. So, I mean, he has been really impactful, but I think, honestly, if I had to pick one, 
Marvel artist, I would probably choose Jack Kirby. And he's the one who wrote, or I should say, drew the original Fantastic Four, uh, X-Men, I believe, and um, Spider-Man did Ditko, but Kirby did almost like everything else art-wise. He wrote, he drew the Eternals and wrote that. Um, yeah, he just did a whole bunch of art in the 60s and 70s. Okay, okay, yeah. Now, did you ever met, like, any Marvel artists in the Comic-Con or... No, like I I really wish that I had. Actually, um, I was supposed to, me and my wife were going to go to Megacon here in Florida uh, last year, and I was going to have the opportunity to meet one of my favorite current writers, Donnie Cates, who's done a, a lot of amazing stuff, but that was canceled due to COVID. So I haven't really met many, or I really any uh, well-known Marvel artists or writers, unfortunately. Okay. Yeah, the one Marvel artist I met a few years back when we have Comic Con here for the first time where I live. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember his name. He's the one that do. I think he's the one that first created the shit with Nick Fury that come up with that character. And I can't remember his name. Oh, yeah, so you know, do you mean the Ultimate Universe Nick Fury? Um, I think he was the original that come up with Nick Fury, I believe. And I can't remember. Oh, okay. his name. He has white hair. He knows Stanley, good friend of him. And, oh wow! Uh, I can't remember his name. Oh my god. That's very cool, though. Yeah, I got to meet him. He has like white hair or anything. No, if you listen to it, I'm meant to make fun of you, man. I have, I have little hair. Okay, <laughs> but just to throw that out there. But yeah, and I got to meet him. And I know I'm. That's the only Marvel artist I can remember right now that I met at mm-hmm. Comic Con. So yeah, um, if I get to his name, I'll DM you. Yeah, name. yeah. I mean, no, that's pretty neat. So, yeah. So yeah, you might probably—I'm sure you probably remember. I can't remember what his work is, but I just remember about Nick Fury, the Shield, whatever. He's the one that come with that story. If I remember correctly, Nick Fury, like something with Batman mixed up, but someone stole his idea or something along that line. Don't quote me on it. Oh like, yeah, it's been a while now. It's been a while because yeah, yeah. it was like few years back, you know. But yeah, that's the only one I can think of. I met some DC, but we're not talking about DC. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but you know, but yeah, now. Is there a particular story in terms of moral that you'd like to see focused that never been focused or haven't focused that much? Um, you mean one that I don't think many people have like focused on or um, paid attention to? Yeah. I mean, there's a few uh, really good stories that I think are relatively unknown. I mean, I mean, if it's Marvel, then it's going to have a fan base, obviously, because Marvel is one of the big two. But I guess one that I wish would get more mainstream like acclaim and be recognized for what it is, is there's this one story and it's called Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe. Right. And I know that on the surface, that sounds like it's going to be pop art and it's just going to be a, a bloody mess. And I just mean like literally a violent mess. And it is. But there's also aspects to the story that are really mature that speak to the reason that Deadpool wants to kill everybody is because Deadpool can break the fourth wall. So he knows he's a comic book character. Right. And that leads to him being depressed, knowing he only exists for other people's entertainment. And he figures that if he can kill everybody who he's around to fight, like in that fictional universe, this is why he's alive is to interact with these other heroes and villains. And if he can kill all of them, maybe the writers will finally let him die and be at peace. So this is like some sort of philosophical concept of solipsism and nihilism. Like, what is the meaning of life? And if it's something that I don't agree with, then can I make my own meaning and leave? You know, that's a pretty deep subject, but it's in a Deadpool story. So not that many people recognize it for what it is. And I wish more people would read the subtext behind all the 
chimichanga jokes and the stab humor. You know what I mean? Yeah, I gotcha, I gotcha. Um, now, now, how in terms of statistics, how many Marvel comics that you own right now? Um, let's see. I mean, if I included all the graphic novels that I have, then that's uh, hundreds upon hundreds. And then if I included the individual issues that I've collected, which um, aren't as much money probably, but I'll go to an old comic book store and find the ones that are like a dollar or two dollars. And then I probably have a few hundred more. So, I mean, I've read way more than I've collected just through um, when I was a kid. I would read everything that my libraries had. I would check all of that out. And now I read on um, the app that Marvel offers called Marvel Unlimited, where a whole bunch of stories are on there and you just pay a monthly fee and you can read them all. So I do most of my reading online now. Online, so you prefer online instead of buying the comics now? Well, it took me a while to get to that point because I didn't really think I would ever get away from reading the physical editions. But honestly, now I I think I do prefer just the technical side of reading on my iPad because you can make it where each panel comes up individually or you can have it up on a page. And I mean, you can, you know, you read it in the dark all the TVs on or whatever. So, yeah, I, I think, honestly, just for convenience sake, I probably enjoy reading on my iPad the most. Also, it's, like, easier to read than it is, like, on, on the book, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Is it cheaper or is it the same price, basically? Um, I want to say it's, like, nine ninety nine a month. So, depending on how much you read, it can be a, a great price, right? Because if I buy every single issue that I've read on Marvel Unlimited, I'd be spending hundreds of dollars a month. Yeah, okay, gotcha. It's, it's basically a subscription service that's like DC Universe and, uh, or streaming service. Yeah, and exactly. Netflix. That's how I describe it to people who are unfamiliar. I'm like, well, just imagine Netflix buff for comics. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Netflix, for raising your price, by the way. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, that's why you got to get That's why you got to get on Disney Plus since everything Marvel and Star Wars. On. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I had Disney to get that. Plus. Yeah, I was watching the Oh, you know, you know that X Men cartoon from the nineties. Uh, oh, it's a classic. It's classic. I remember that watching that cartoon, and you know, Wolverine, Wolverine, Gambit, and that car are my favorite X Men characters. Who's your favorite X Men characters? Oh man, that's that's a great question. Um, like I don't want to be, uh, not to come at you, but I don't want to be like basic and say Wolverine, right? Because I know that he's so many people's favorites, but he's honestly yeah. great. So it's hard not to pick someone like him. I guess, honestly, though, I'd, I'd probably say Charles, Professor X. I just think his powers okay. are so cool. And uh, yeah, he's probably my favorite X-Men character. Okay, yeah. I, I, I would like to see, personally, I would like to see a Professor X solo movie or TV series. What do you think? You know what? I feel like a, a TV series could be really well done for the like the nature of his powers and stuff. That'd be pretty neat. Yeah, uh, would you like to see him play as Professor X if that if that ever happened? Man, I would have to think about that because I'm sure you saw the newer movies from Fox and they have James McAvoy play him, and yeah. like honestly, he does a phenomenal job. Some of his yeah. lines will like give me chills when I'm watching it, and I really enjoy it. So. I, yeah, I'm not sure off the top of my head. I I do enjoy doing the fan cast and thinking, oh, this person could definitely play this uh, hero or villain. But I also kind of do it at a minimal because I don't like to set myself up to be disappointed. So when fans think this is how I want this image to look or this movie to look in my head and then that's not what we get, I think you kind of set yourself up to not enjoy it as much. Does that make sense? Yeah, I got you. I got you. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I don't know what you're getting. Now, yeah. you know, we talk about X-Men. And let's let's continue to talk about X Men for a little bit. 
He okay. said X Men movie from Fox before Disney bought Fox. So Disney owned the whole world. Right. <laughs> I know. And, you know, <laughs> and with X Men, now Marvel or Disney, same thing, owns uh, the rights of X Men now. And we know, we both know we got, they got on, uh, they got to reboot the X Men movie. Let's face it. It's yeah, yeah, happen. for sure. Happens. Who you li- like to see the cast of some of the X Men characters, like Wolverine, Professor X, X um, Cyclops, or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good question. One that my like my friend and I have discussed in such depth. Like, I'm trying to um, I'm trying to think of someone for Wolverine that would be uh, truer to something that I find important about the character, and I don't know if many people do, but I don't know if you know this, but Wolverine is very short in the comics. He's, uh, I think he's like five foot five or something like that. But I'm not saying you need an actual dwarf or anything like that to play Wolverine. But it's part of his character because it affects his stature. It affects the way that other people perceive him before they find out he's Wolverine. So I've tried to think about actors that are smaller in stature. I know like Tom Cruise is one of them. Not that I think he'd make a good Wolverine. But one actor that's kind of proven to be pretty versatile, and I, I might get some hate for this, is Daniel Radcliffe. I don't know. I mean, obviously, a lot of people know him from Harry Potter, right? But he's been in things since then, like Horns, which is a drama, and um, Swiss Army Man, which was kind of a, a comedy. And I think he's proven that he can play a number of roles. I wouldn't mind seeing him take on uh, the role of Wolverine. Okay, okay. Is, that, is he the one that played as Harry Potter himself, right? Yeah, yeah. He played as okay. the title character in Harry Potter. I mean, obviously, he was a kid then. But he's, yeah, he's yeah. done a lot of stuff since then. I think one thing he's done that was kind of more mainstream was he was in Now You See Me too, which I think was a nod to the fact that he's known for being a uh, wizard because Now You See Me is all about magic. But he was like a kind of a comedic villain in that film. And I think that if you have like some gruff and roughness about you, then you have the ability to play someone like Wolverine. Okay, okay, yeah. That's the interesting choice. I didn't even think about him playing as or any of the Mara characters. Because every time I was thinking... Who will play Wolverine? Because I I like Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. He was great. Oh, he's he was, fantastic. Yeah. He, he was he was def he's a true definition of Wolverine, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? And you know, he was great. I love most of the Wolverine movies. Some of their up and downs and especially Logan, the last one that Oh, that one was I think it was the best by far. Yeah, you think so? yeah, I seen here and it, it I will admit it tear me up when Wolverine died. It will tear yeah, me up. Yeah. I, I how about you? I mean, oh, I, so, like, I didn't feel especially attached to him as a character when I watched that movie, but I, I've come to like him now, right? But even if that um, moment didn't mean as much to me as it did to some of the really hardcore fans, and I'm so glad it did, the thing that I appreciate about that movie is that it broke the rules a little bit about what a superhero or comic book film could be, because it was more of a drama about, like, um what does old age do to you and how do you deal with a parent or in some cases a grandparent who is maybe slowly losing their grasp on reality. And it was just told in this fantastical world of these people happen to be mutants, but it wasn't even integral to the story. The story was about, I think, um, you know, how do you take care of your elders as they pass on? And then how do you take care of the younger generation when they come to you and they need help? And, and that's how I saw it. And I mean, let's be honest, as good as some of the Marvel Studio films are, you know, in the MCU, they have not done anything like that. Not with that level of maturity. True, true, true. And now, who would you like to see play the character of Sabretooth? Oh, we're man, uh, I feel like that one might be kind of easier to cast. I mean, just I—I'm not to knock Sabretooth, but 
I mean, you find someone who's like just huge, burly, can speak in a gruff voice. See, the problem is that even though I'm really into Marvel, I'm so into reading that most of the, like, I watch a lot of action films, right? But it seems like so many action stars now have already been in a Marvel film at some place or at some time. So I don't know as many actors as I probably should, uh, you know, for being in entertainment or wanting to talk about entertainment as much as I do. Yeah, I, I can't really name individual actors, but I think that one would probably be a little bit easier to cast, you know? Yeah, I got one. Uh, yeah, who? I, I was thinking of the guy who played Daryl from The Walking Dead. Oh, you know what? That's not a bad idea. He's kind of he's kind of like crazy a little bit. I think his name is um his name is Norman Reedus. Norman, yeah, there we go. I, I, for some reason, I don't. I'm not good with names, but I remember mm-hmm. the, some of the characters' names. So I, that's why I said girl. I want to play as girl. <laughs> no, that's fair. I you know yeah. I thought of him as um uh Ghost Rider though. Yeah, he'll be yeah Ghost Riders will be another good. Or one of the, you know that show from Son of uh, Archie? Ar- I can't even say it. Sons that. of Anarchy. Anarchy, yeah. I can't yeah. Talk. Yeah. Well, I think of one of those. Who no, that's not a bad Ghost idea. Ghost. I mean, I think Ghost Rider has a lot of potential to be cast well. I've heard Keanu Reeves being named. Oh, I heard about that. Um, yeah, like that could be one. But also I think he might want to be, he might be more picky about who he takes because he's such a big actor. He can probably choose who he wants to play. But but yeah, I don't know. Norman Reedus could be. Uh, real interesting in, in that role. I think making him a villain could be really interesting. Yeah, definitely. And speaking of feeling, of course, we need Magneto. Of course, come on. We need Magneto from X-Men. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if there's no Magneto, I'm, I'll go something at the team. No, not really, because I don't want to break <laughs> the team. <laughs> but who do you like to see pay as Magneto? So Magneto is, like, uh, for me, a really hard one to cast because so we have to figure out how we're going to um, how we're going to deal with the age thing in the MCU, right? Because mutants supposedly have been around for a long time, and we know that Magneto is a Holocaust survivor. So if this kid was, or this guy was old enough to be a kid during World War II, I mean, think about it if he shows up now. And in the MCU, I think we're in, like, 2023 on the timeline. So, like, I don't know if they're going to retcon this by maybe making him... um, like persecuted in another way, but you can't take away the persecution because the fact that the Jews were persecuted in World War II is why Magneto feels so strongly about protecting mutants the way he does, right? So, I mean, you want to choose a Jewish actor unless you want to go for a different angle, then you can open up the door some, but uh, I mean, like that one, I've thought about so much and I saw some really cool fan art that actually had, I think it was Viggo Mortensen who plays Aragorn in Lord of the Rings. They had him cast as Magneto. And I see him as strictly a hero type, but that's probably because he's always going to be Aragorn in my head. But at the same time, um, you know, actors act, and who's to say that he couldn't do a great job portraying Magneto? Yeah. You know, the one guy I was thinking, you know, he passed away with a piece, and I can't remember his name. He was in the Harry Potter movie, the one he wear, he has black hair with uh, black uh, hair. Was that Alan, Alan Rickman? I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, I think that's his name. I've, I always thought maybe he would be a good Magneto. Yeah, that's not yeah. a bad choice at all. And he has that certain depth, I think, that he could bring to the role of, like, seriousness, you know? Yeah, he was a tremendous actor. I, I You know, I yeah. love the Harry Potter movies, and I thought he was tremendous. I thought, at first, I thought he was the villain, villain, but you really saved Harry Potter, but I thought he would be a perfect villain for that X-Men character. I was yeah, like, no, that's, that's not a bad fan cast at all. Yeah. 
But, but yeah. as, at the same time, you have to consider that, like, um, not that I'm saying this was a great casting, but if you remember in Apocalypse, they actually had Oscar Isaac, who plays Poe in Star Wars. He plays Apocalypse. And that is not a casting that makes, like, that sounds like it makes sense to me. I think that Oscar did what he could with that role. I'm not sure. Have you seen that movie, Apocalypse? Yeah, I've seen that movie. Yeah. So, like, I, you might disagree with me, but I think for all the good and bad, I, I think Apocalypse is very oddly portrayed in that film. Oh, you think so? Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it just it fell flat, uh, fell flat for me. And I don't even know. Uh, I mean, I read a fair amount of X Men comics by now, but I still don't consider myself to be the hugest X fan. But even watching that, I'm like, wow, like Apocalypse doesn't seem as menacing as he could be. And okay. I know there were like there were technical issues even with um, like the suit itself. The Oscar said he had to wear was like pumping water and spraying it in his face because he was getting dehydrated because he had so much makeup and prosthetics on and it was so hot. So he wasn't even feeling that well. And he's getting sprayed with water under the suit so he doesn't get dehydrated. So like I can imagine there's challenges with that. But uh, you know, CGI and makeup is a huge thing for Marvel Studios. So I'm I try not to like pigeonhole actors into being exactly who I think, uh, you know, what they should look like. Yeah, I got you, I got you. And I will I will be so cranky wearing those costumes <laughs> and, and be all sweating uh, for a long period of time, trying yeah. to you know, do art, I um, mean, art acting, do the right read the lines, and I'll, oh man, sweating, I'm so dehydrated, need some Gatorade water. I can't um, imagine, man. Yeah, or can you imagine you need to go to the bathroom? I've, I've heard that's a whole ordeal of, and this could be just be like word of mouth or a rumor, but there was some tweet or whatever floating around that when um, Tom Holland, who plays Spider-Man now, spoke to the former Spider-Man, I believe it was Andrew Garfield. He asked him if he had any advice, and Andrew Garfield's bit of advice to him was, don't let them make the suit without a zipper in it. So that way you don't have to get other people to help you go to the bathroom. That was his piece of advice for the new Spider-Man. Right. <laughs> That's a good advice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, now, let me ask you this. Who's your favorite Marvel superhero? Oh, man, that is such a good question. And I think um, if I have to really just pick one, I have to go with Mr. Fantastic or Reed Richards from the Fantastic Four. Oh yeah, okay, okay. That's and you know they're gonna. Of course, we we already talked about a little bit about mm-hmm. Fantastic Four, but we know they're gonna go reboot the Fantastic movie, Fantastic Fantastic movie, Fantastic Four movie because you know the other one. Oh yeah, terrible. <laughs> and don't get me started with the last one with Doctor Doom. Oh man, that's not Doctor Doom. No, no, we don't have to talk about the last one at all. Trust me. Okay, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. But I, but I'm excited. I I think they're. I think they're going to really do justice to Fantastic Four. Uh, They have John Watts directing, and he directed the uh, last two Spider-Man films. And I think, and most people agree, that Homecoming and Far From Home are really well done. So I can't wait to see what he does with Fantastic Four. It's going to be, I think it's going to be different for him to write it, because he was writing something that was like a high school drama comedy, and he did a great job of it. But the whole thing that I like so much about the Fantastic Four is that they aren't necessarily warriors. Like, they're explorers. That's the whole angle that they have. And Reed is an inventor like Tony, but Tony was a weapons manufacturer, right? And that's that's his impetus that we see starts him out in Iron Man. But Reed is not like that. So he's his own scientist. He's not Hank Pym. He's not Tony. He's not Bruce Banner. He's an explorer. And 
what they find when they go to these new places is problems that need to be solved, and he considers himself to be the person who fixes things. That's like his self-identifier. So I want to see what John Watts can do and what everyone at Marvel Studios can do to bring someone who has such a huge part of the Marvel Universe in the comics. Because, I mean, literally in the story, you know that Fantastic Four is, like, majorly shaping the way the Marvel Universe is. But then if we think of it from our universe... I'm not sure if you're familiar, but Fantastic Four is the book that kicked off the Marvel Universe. It was the first superhero story. I think it was published in 62, and it sold like nothing else. And they immediately said, okay, we're going to bring Hulk into this world. We're going to bring Ant-Man into this world. We're going to make Iron Man. And then, like, it was all based on the fact that Fantastic Four saved Marvel Comics. And from the brink of bankruptcy, it just sold like nothing. So Marvel kicked off their superhero universe with Fantastic Four, and now we finally have a chance to see them on the big screen done by Marvel Studios. And I really have a lot of faith that they're going to do them justice. Who you like to see the cast of the Fantastic Four characters? So this one, I, I can't lie, I've given it a lot of thought because, you know, these, so they're my, they're my favorite characters. Like, Reed is my favorite character, period, but that is my favorite team of heroes. And, like, the fan casting that I've kind of uh, been sold on, and I hope I don't sound, ta- sound, um, don't sound too basic saying this, but I'd like to see John Krasinski as Reed Richards, if I had to pick. He played Jim in The Office. I don't know if you've seen any fan art with um, people saying he'd be good with him. But he's played some more serious roles since then. Um, so I'd like to see him as Reed. I think he could pull that off for Sue or The Invisible Woman. Uh, a lot of people were saying Emily Blunt, which is John Krasinski's wife, like in real life. But there was some news leaked actually just today that said people are thinking um, Jennifer Lawrence might be cast as the Invisible yeah. Woman. And I know that she was kind of controversial as Mystique. Some people liked her, some people didn't. I've always been a fan of her, so I'd be fine with that. Um, now, this take I have for Johnny Storm, and you know that's the Human Torch. So he's younger. He's like Spider-Man's age, and he's also a hothead. I can't think of any actors that are that young that could take on the role. But I did think that Zac Efron could really personify the cockiness and the hotheadedness of the Human Torch. He's into cars, he's into girls, and he's into showing off. Like, that just sounds like Zac Efron to me. And then the thing I think is a little bit harder... Because a lot of people think that the thing needs to be this huge, uh, like, hulking, big, strong guy. And it's not that he wasn't strong before he was the thing. But you have to remember that Mark Ruffalo, who plays the Hulk, he's not some big, hulking, strong guy. The whole point is the transformation. And the thing that we know about Ben before he becomes the thing in Fantastic Four number one is not that he was huge and muscular. It's that he was good looking because Susan was even into him before she uh, married Reed. So, like, he was... He was beautiful, and that he was a pilot. That is the identifier he has. He's a pilot, and that's what he sees himself as. Even when he turns into the thing, he thinks, I'm the best pilot around. I can fly better than Reed, better than Johnny. So you've got to find someone who has that New York accent, because that's a big thing about the thing. Um, He is Jewish, and that's also something that I think identifies the character. He's a pilot, and he's Um, good-looking. That obviously narrows down who you're going to be able to pick. So I'm not totally set on anyone. I've seen some people wanting to cast folks like um, Seth Rogen because the thing is obviously comedic relief, but that doesn't do it for me. So I guess that's the one character that I'm still trying to pick. If I had to choose someone, I don't know who I would pick as the thing just yet. Yeah, okay, yeah. I, I can't think of anyone who could play as the thing right now, man. I, I mean, it's, it's weird because, you know, it's obviously going to be so much CGI, but the personality has to be right. And he's not an idiot just because he makes a lot of jokes. And he does. 
Um, or he speaks with slang because he says things like it's clobbering time and my dear Aunt Petunia. So like, you know, he, he uses funny idioms and stuff, but that doesn't mean that he's he's just a joke. He's a smart guy and he's a pilot and he cares very much so for his best friend, Reed, and the woman he used to be in love with, Sue, and her kid brother, Johnny. So there's so much potential for that role to be really well acted. And I hope that they do a good job. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now... Who do you like to see to be the villain for this reboot Fantastic Four movie? Right. So that's like, oh, man, I've been thinking of that nonstop because I, I love Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom is probably my favorite villain of all time. So obviously you can see my how much favorite. I like Fantastic Four. But I also don't want to rush Doom's entrance. And right. um, so I think that it's fair to say that Thanos is the most memorable villain that we've gotten in the MCU so far, with the exception of maybe Loki. But as far as like universal impact, man, like people can see Thanos in their head when you quote him. And when you say reality can be whatever I uh, want it to be, or I am inevitable, like, you know, these things stay with people. So Thanos was absolutely stellar and everyone remembers him. And I want Dr. Doom to have the same opportunity. So I don't want to rush him into the first film and be like, okay, here's Dr. Doom. He's a massive villain. Cause then we have to introduce Reed, Sue, Johnny, Ben, and uh, Victor, on Doom, Doctor Doom, all in one film, and that's so much uh, exposition in one film that I don't think it would land. So even though I love Doctor Doom and I want him to be probably the next big bad guy in the MCU, if I had to pick a villain for the first Fantastic Four film, I think I would go with someone like Namor or the Submariner. So you know he lives in Atlantis and he wants to rule the world and bring everything under the ocean because he has a very unique relationship with uh, Reed because he also likes Sue and obviously she doesn't like him and he's evil and all that. Uh, the other option I think could be really cool is Mole Man who lives under the ground and has these mindless sort of like zombies that um, you know do as he tells them to and uh, he thinks that the surface world is evil because they cast him out because he is very ugly. He's short and fat and he has this uh, disfigured face. So that's Mole Man, and he's a very iconic villain. The only other one that I would consider for the first film uh, is called Annihilus, and he is the ruler of the Negative Zone, which is somewhere that the Fantastic Four go to explore, and he has this horde of sort of locusts with these giant aliens that, um, I guess when I say giant, I just mean they're bugs that are kind of like the size of people, and they do what he says because he has this thing called the Master Control Rod, so they just blindly will follow him no matter what he's doing and he believes he can endlessly resurrect as long as he's in the negative zone so he's a very interesting looking foe his aesthetics are cool the only problem is that if you got a huge actor to play him you would really just once again get the voice because it'd be so much cgi because he's not a humanoid he looks like this giant bug type creature but those are the three villains that i am considering for the film and i could be wrong but those are the three that i have in mind yeah i agree that they should wait Save for Doctor Doom, maybe as a the next big bad wolf. Like yeah, Thanos I'm glad. No, I'm glad that someone else feels the same way. I don't want to waste his potential and just bring him in just to get rid of him. You know, is it, is, maybe it's po it's possible Doctor Doom could be this next big bad wolf for this next or this coming phase. Oh um, yeah, I mean, well, just imagine if they set up Secret Wars, which we talked about just a second earlier, where the different universes collide. Um, they already are setting the precedent in their current TV shows that maybe the Sony universe and the Fox universe and the Disney universe, they're all coming together. So let's say that we slowly over the next 10 years start to see that these universes not just coming together, but colliding and ending. 
And Dr. Doom is the only one willing to say, rather than let both these universes end, I will destroy the universe that is on its way here and get rid of it so that it can't in this universe. And that something like that could result in secret wars where the universes do collide and he just does whatever he can to keep them together and to keep people alive. And in doing that, he sets up a world where he proclaims himself as God. And then we have a story about the people trying to undo that maybe over the course of two films like Infinity War. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm looking forward to how they do with Fantastic Four. And knowing in, uh, Marvel, they don't usually don't let me down. Sure, they might have their up and downs. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens. Now, who's your? Is there any Marvel superhero that you're not a big fan that your least favorite? Uh, that's a yeah. That's a really good question too. Um, I always try to focus more on the positives, just in general. Like when it comes to talking about a story, if I didn't particularly care for it, I don't like harp on it or anything. Or if there's a character I don't really care for. So, like, when it comes to reading, I really do pick out the stuff that I like and I read that. Um, I, I, I'll be honest, I haven't read a ton of X-Men stories. Like, sometimes the, the characters just don't stay with me the way that I want them to. So, without naming an individual one that I think is uninteresting, I, I guess I would say, like, the X-Men books in general, they don't always grab my attention the way that I wish they would. And, and I want to be into them because I know so many people love them and so many of their stories are so important. But a lot of times when I read them, I do feel like I'm just doing homework so I can better understand the Marvel Universe. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't think I have a least favorite superhero. Yeah. Uh, in Marvel. I got, I got one for Finland, which we'll talk about. You know what? Let's talk about okay. Finland for it. Who, who's your least Marvel villain? All right. My least favorite. Um... I mean, so there's a lot of, like, you know, D-listers out there who are never successful in their goals, and so that makes them kind of annoying when they show up. Like, I mean, like, Whirlwind or Eel, who, like, you know, they show up and you just know they're not going to do anything. Um, I guess if I had to pick a really uninspired villain, um, let's see, probably, you know what, I'm going to actually refer to the one in the MCU. They're the villain in Ant-Man 2, and their name's Ghost. And I just think oh, yeah. that they are so boring and the drive that they have doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. The fact that they're phasing in and out. So like they are at stake themselves. Um, they're, they're at risk of dying. Right. And they don't even act in their own self-interest when they do things that are selfish and screw over other people. So they seem kind of aimless and I don't even think their aesthetic is very interesting. So they, they just don't grab my attention. So that's like a you know villain I just forget about very quickly. Do you have one that you said you don't care for? Yep. And it's Rhino. Oh, really? It's Rhino. Yeah. It's maybe because they due to that Spider-Man movie from the Andrew Garfield. Yeah. Oh, that was a terrible Rhino. Oh, oh man, I, I, it kind of reminded me of Barney. <laughs> That's <laughs> fair. I was like, yeah, I was like, oh, I, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of vinyl, anyways. I understand mm. the film and part, but I just not a big fan. And I guess this Andrew Garfield doesn't really. Much, yeah, <laughs> no, that's that's a good film. point. Well, I will say, like, in a little bit of a defense of Rhino, that comes out of the Silver Age of comics. So, Ditko and Stan Lee wrote so many Spider Man comics so early on that when you read their original run, the first run of Spider Man, you will find all kinds of weird villains in there and like every animal. So, they have the chameleon, they have the scorpion, they have Rhino, um, they have kangaroo, like. 
they were just drawing. And I'm not, I'm not saying they didn't make some huge hits. Like, they have some great villains that came out. I think in the first ten right. issues, you have Green Goblin, Doc Ock, and Mysterio. And, like, yeah. those are big names. You know, those villains stayed with us. But they, they were throwing out everything. So I totally understand what you're saying, that, yeah, uh, Rhino is just kind of another one up against the wall. Yeah, I, I thought he's, like, one of those D levels, like, if that makes any sense, D uh-huh. level violence. Because we got, like, A level, B level, C level. And I, what, what I mean by that, like you mentioned, A level, uh, you got Go- Green Goblin, you got uh, Dr. Octopus. Yeah, Venom. Venom, or Venom, uh, and we got Carnage, you know, and let's go on and on. Those are the top class villains oh, yeah. of all time in Marvel. Right? Well, that's what I think. Um, now, and let's talk about, now, you mentioned Doctor Doom is your favorite of all time, which is mine too. Mm-hmm. Who's your top five favorite villains of all time? Oh, man. Okay. So if I had to pick five villains, uh, so Doctor Doom is going to be number one. And then number two, and I'll kind of lap him in with someone else. I'm going to say Galactus. I think he is okay. just so interesting. And, and I know his, um, like his impetus for existing is very simple and that he needs to consume energy. But if you read that first ever story with him, the coming of Galactus and it introduces Silver Surfer, who happens to be my third favorite character of all time. Silver Surfer, I think is phenomenal. So, you know, he has him as a herald, which is so cool. Um, so I would kind of let let him in with Silver Surfer because they come together as villains, and then Silver Surfer is no longer a villain after his first appearance, obviously. But I would say Galactus number two, for three. Um, gosh, it's so hard to rank them numerically, but um, I guess I would actually say Mysterio. He's in Far From Home. He's the one who's the master of illusion, and you know has all these tricks that he works out to. Um, work around Spider-Man, but then also in the comics, there's times that Mysterio is able to trick Doctor Strange and the Old Man Logan storyline. Mysterio is actually responsible for tricking Wolverine into murdering all the rest of the X-Men. And this has long-term repercussions on him as a character. So I love it when a villain is able to actually make an impact and, you know, make changes to the circumstances surrounding a hero because that means that he matters, you know? Um, Number four... I'd probably say Green Goblin. I know he's like you know very well known and classic, but there's a reason that he stayed with us so long, and that's because he just has that unforgettable aesthetic and the crazy drive that I think is so much fun. And then number five, I might have to go with Wilson Fisk or Kingpin because he is so formative to Spider-Man and Daredevil. And, like, just defeating him isn't enough. You have to bring down the organization that's protecting him. Um, so, yeah, I think I would go with – I think I would go with uh, Kingpin for number five. Okay. So about Kingpin, who the guy that played Kingpin from the Daredevil series, mm-hmm. I thought he was tremendous. He yeah. Was Kingpin. He was tremendous. I hope they bring him back. Yeah. That's, uh, back. So his name, I think, is Vincent uh, – it's like the Vincent DeFario. I'm probably messing that up. But, yeah, he's amazing. Um, I don't know, like, I, I really am on edge wondering if they're going to bring back the Netflix actors for the MCU. I love Charlie Cox's Daredevil. I love John Bernthal's The Punisher. But if they do that, they're setting the precedent of kind of locking themselves in because people like John Bernthal and Charlie Cox's Daredevil, they've acted alongside Luke Cage and um, Jessica Jones and Iron Fist. And if they suddenly yeah. change who Iron Fist is, 
And I think that would be a popular move because a lot of people didn't really care for um, Jones's Iron Fist. It wouldn't really make sense to see them in that light. So even though I love Vincent and he was a great Wilson Fisk or Kingpin, if they bring over one of those actors, I think that kind of sounds like they're signing on all those actors again. Or like, not literally, but it, it kind of suggests that they are. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see bring them all back. And continue the series. Yeah, I, I, no, I would be fine with that. I think that um, I think season one of Daredevil might be the best thing that Marvel has done on screen. Maybe like I just think it's phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, you know, no offense to Ben, I've had that Daredevil version. <laughs> it was no, terrible. you you can you can speak with full offense. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna defend Ben Affleck's <laughs> Daredevil. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a huge letdown, basically. He doesn't put it that way. And yeah. but when they, when this Daredevil series on Netflix, I was hooked. That the build up, the slow build up, yeah. in season one, and that the 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 fight scenes. Oh, the fight scenes know. are beautiful. I mean, the hallway oh, scenes yeah. and um, even the supporting cast, Foggy and uh, Catherine Page, and then of course Vincent, the Russians. I I just think everyone is is phenomenal on that show. So yeah, that's probably my favorite thing that Marvel. Has done, and I don't think it was Marvel Studios that actually made it, but I mean, but still, yeah. it, it's just great. It's just, it's just fantastic. And I know I read somewhere not that long ago now that Marvel owns uh, Daredevil and yeah, they had Daredevil and uh, Iron Fist, and I think even Luke Cage. And now, just actually the other day, they uh, reverted the rights for Punisher and Jessica Jones back to Marvel Studios, so they're good to go on all fronts. Yeah. Yeah, I like to see continue that Punisher series too. That yeah, I, I don't know how you can get a better Punisher than John Bernthal. He is he is the Punisher. Like he's just un, he's an unstoppable force of nature when he gets going in you know in the shows. And I don't know how you can get any better than that. Yeah, and you know they did it right. Make it made it TV man because Punisher is a <laughs> right. Yeah, that's like his whole thing, and like that makes me a little concerned for what's gonna happen when it goes to Disney Plus. Because I mean, uh, I I don't think if unless I'm wrong, I don't think Disney has ever done an R-rated property before. And they said Deadpool is going to be R, and that's gonna be distributed by Disney and made by Marvel Studios. That would be the first for them. But I don't. I still don't know. Even with Deadpool three being R, I don't know what that has to say about the TV shows. Because I mean, if they're on Disney Plus, I feel like they're going to be PG thirteen at the very most. But who knows? Yeah. I try to picture the PG version of Punisher. Ugh. Oh my gosh! I don't know. Just like <laughs> you know, basically, it's like what Batman does in like the Arkham uh, games, where he like cracks people's necks and snaps their knees and uh, wrists out of sockets, but they just pass out something <laughs> that, like that that would be lame man. <laughs> that would be lame oh man I, you know what disney do, should do is for disney plus is make a exception for rated r's one, or tvma yeah. section they have like a, a parental control so well, can get i think it. that disney plus owns um what is it i, I want to say it's hulu as well so yeah, I, I heard they own yeah. yeah, so like they could let their Marvel, mature Marvel content live there. But the thing is that if you were paying for Disney Plus, even if it's the only one you're paying for, I feel like that should get you all the Marvel shows because Marvel is a Disney property now. So like, you know, they, that's what they need to do. It's what they need to do. It's whatever. But it feels a little wrong that you would you would pay, hey, 
Disney, here's, you know, $10 a month, whatever. I just want to see Marvel, Star Wars, National Geographic, and Pixar. And they say, okay, thanks for the money, but you've got to also pay for Hulu if you want to see the mature Marvel stuff. Like, oh my gosh, when, when does it end? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you know, so I guess we'll see what happens. You know, I'm ho- I'm still hoping, you know, they bring the cast up back. Yeah. Make it, and maybe, maybe we'll see Daredevil be part of this, the next Spider-Man movie. Oh my gosh, I, I was hoping. And I mean... Who knows, now that his um, identity has been exposed, maybe he'll need legal representation, and that's where Matt Murdock shows up, you know? Like, who knows? That would be, that would be awesome. And maybe Fisk would be part of it. Oh, man, I would love to see Fisk. Um, I, I'd like to see Craven the Hunter in the next one. There's so many actors, I should say, so many characters that they could choose for Spider-Man 3. And um, I know it's well into, at least production, maybe filming at this point. So I can't wait until we hear more about what's going to happen in Spider-Man 3. I heard a rumor that Craven the Hunter might be the ne- in the next Spider-Man movie. Yeah, I've heard the same thing. But I'm a little uh, confused by the fact that we have all these leaks that like Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield... And um, all these other folks who played Spider-Man or Spider-Man adjacent characters in the past might show up. So if they show up, then it sounds like it's a multiverse situation. And I know Doctor Strange is responsible for, um, like re- I think, really bringing the multiverse aspect into the MCU. Because he's going to be, obviously, in Doctor Strange's Multiverse of Madness. But if there's a magical aspect to it, then I don't see where Kraven fits into that. Because Kraven is just a dude who wants to hunt big game and he realizes that superheroes are the next frontier for hunting big game, and he thinks Spider-Man's a criminal. So I don't know how he fits into um, a multiverse or multidimensional story, but again, I have a lot of faith in Marvel, so I'm not saying it's going to be bad if it is multiverse and if Kraven's the villain. Okay, okay, yeah. Well, it could be a multiple villains, more than one, maybe. We see that Well, as long as they don't do Spider-Man 3 again, then I agree. If you, you know, the one with... <laughs> It has Venom, it has Sandman, and it has um, uh, Green Goblin Jr. That, sh- that movie was something else, man. Especially following up Spider-Man 2 with Doc Ock, that, that gorgeous film. Following that up with Spider-Man 3, that was just a bit much. I agree, I agree. That was a big letdown. And don't get me wrong, that guy who played as the Sandman, he was tremendous. Yeah, I yeah, I think his name's Hayden Church, but uh, if I'm right. But yeah, like he does a good job. None of the actors are any, like, None of the actors are at fault, in my opinion. Tobey Maguire right. always portrays Spider-Man and Peter Parker Gray. James Franco's a good goblin. There was just so much going on in the story. Yeah, I agree. Good job, Sony. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's that's why they're letting uh, Disney take the creative control at this point. Yeah, as of right now. But yeah, now, what is your favorite MCU movie at this moment? Um... I kind of go back and forth a little bit. I think Infinity War is a masterpiece, but I also have to concede that that's coming from me, who's a huge Marvel fan. And it, it's also a very unique film because never, and uh, to my knowledge, never in film history have you had the prerequisite of watching like 19 films before you get to, okay, here's this film, sit down and enjoy it. You know, that's never been done before. So... Some people who reviewed it who'd only watched a small number of Marvel films, or maybe they haven't watched any Marvel films, they're like, it's a mess, there's no structure, you don't follow anyone's storyline, so we don't know who's, like, 
you know, who's growing and having a, a moment of maturity. But to me, that wasn't the point of the film. If anything, the protagonist of the film is actually Thanos, who we are following around mostly. And we get to see him go from a guy who is hell-bent on completing a mission to completing the mission and then enjoying his day of rest, you know, on a beautiful planet or whatever. So it's a very unique film, and I, I know it's not for everybody, but as a hardcore Marvel fan, I'll eat up all the fan service and all the gorgeous choreography of the battles. So I, I think that's why it's my number one. But I also really, really like Spider-Man Far From Home because Mysterio is such a fantastic villain and Jake Gyllenhaal does a wonderful job portraying him and they do a great job with the illusions. I think Far From Home is just such a good story. The only problem is that it doesn't take place in New York and New York is so important to Spider-Man. It's like part of his character. So that was a missed opportunity. But they still killed it all across. So I, I kind of go back and forth between Infinity War and Spider-Man Far From Home for my favorite MCU film. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Man, it's hard for me to choose. Um, there's so many great films, and, and they did a great job from building up, lead up to the Endgame, which Endgame is one of my top favorites. Endgame is, uh, oh, it's so good. I'm, yeah, the last, I think, 30 to 45 minutes, like, it just keeps you so gripped and... Uh, the the, culmina- the culmination of, I think, what is such good foreshadowing. So in Avengers number one, you have uh, Captain America and Iron Man get in a fight, right? And yeah. um, Captain America tells Tony, um, you know, uh, I, I know a million people worth more than you. You're never the type to make the sacrifice play. And then Tony says to Steve... You know, you're in a laboratory experiment, Rogers. Everything special about you came out of a bottle. And then to have, you know, four movies later, a moment where in the span of like 20 minutes, Captain America is able to wield Mjolnir, which no one but Thor and then technically Vision has been able to do. So, bam, he's special because he's honorable and he's worthy of the power of Thor. And then for Iron Man to literally sacrifice his life and his life that he had left with his family in order to save everyone. So they both prove each other wrong. What they said about each other at their worst, they prove wrong in the final minutes of Endgame. So, I mean, that's such that's such good storytelling, in my opinion. That's such good writing to wait four films for a payoff like that. Yeah, and kudos to the cast. They did a tremendous job. And now for Robert John- Downing, who plays um, Stark, uh-huh. he was tremendous, you know. And I will admit, when I watched the Endgame, when he when his character died, it teared me up a little bit. Get where you tear up. Yeah, I think I yeah I did for that death. That that one hit me hard. I mean, I love Iron Man, and you're right, Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man. Like he just kills it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, when he when he dies on screen, that's a powerful moment. It is. It is. And 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 the one surprised me is even is. The death of Black Widow, which I was surprised. Yeah, that was that. out of left field, wasn't it? Like that, I did not see yeah. that going into the movie. Yeah, same here. I, I know, I know, someone's gonna die. I thought maybe I, my thinking, my original thinking was thought maybe Iron Man, and Captain America. Yeah, I, I basically I thought that the big three would die. I thought Cap, Iron Man, and Thor would die. That was my thought. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Thor. Because then you're well, okay. then you're setting yeah. the stage for a new Thor because you know that Jane Foster becomes Thor, and it looks like she will in Love and Thunder. Oh. So like you're setting that up. Captain America. I mean, just from a pragmatic standpoint, Chris Evans has been in like nine films or whatever. So is um, Robert Downey. So like I expected them to want to move on, but I actually really thought it was cool that they were able to say so. Here's 
Tony doing a sacrificial move of giving up his life, and he's able to, you know, we're able to move on from the character that way. And then, hey, here's Captain America, not dying in the traditional sense of his character's dead, but for all intents and purposes, Steve Rogers is no longer a factor in the MCU. Like, he has lived his whole life, and we didn't watch it. And so maybe one day they'll want to go back and tell stories about something he did when he went back in time and stayed there. Maybe. But it would make total sense if they never really went back to Steve Rogers again. And he just, you know, he lived his life. He passed the shield on to Sam, and that's the end of it. Yeah, that's, and that's, you know, it, it was great. It was great. Now, now is there your... Do you have a least favorite MCU movie that you're not a big fan or you're disappointed that could be better? Um, I mean, like, every film has its good moments. I was harping on Ghost as a villain in Ant-Man 2. I think that movie's a little messy. Uh, I have some problems with Iron Man 2. But at the same time, if I focus on the positive, we get to meet um, Hammer Industries. And I think the CEO is Justin Hammer. And he's, like, a really fun character. And he's, like... Um, He's so alive and he's like a competitor to Tony. So like a lot of those moments are good. And then also you can't totally uh, discredit any film that Iron Man is in because almost like every line of dialogue that Iron Man or Tony says is just good and it's worth having in my opinion. So like, you know, again, I'm trying to find the positives in all of them. Thor 2 is not great. Um, There's not too much good that came out of Thor number two, The Dark World. So yeah, that's probably one of those sequels. I think I, it's funny. I didn't even mean to, but Iron Man two, Ant Man two, and Thor two are all kind of meh. Okay, okay. Because a lot of people think Iron Man three was pretty bad. So, uh, bad. yeah, and I was actually gonna speak to that because I actually just watched it pretty recently, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know what? I think I I hated this. I never hated it, but I think that the film got more hate than it deserved. Um, it's a story about Tony Stark more than it is a story about Iron Man. And that's okay. I think that there's room for those stories in the MCU. Um, So it took some risk. But a big problem people had with it is that it introduces the um, Mandarin. And he is one of the most infamous villains that Iron Man has. He's from the original Silver Age run. Uh, He has these ten rings of power. Each one gives him a different, basically, superpower. He has this whole kingdom in, like, I think it's East Asia. And um, so he's a very formidable foe. And that's what they set up in Iron Man 3. But then you come to find out that Mandarin is just an actor. He's a puppet. He's being controlled by AIM. And basically, there is no Mandarin. And that upset so many people. And I totally understand why it did. But at the same time... Um, the MCU doesn't need to just retell stories from the comics. The whole point is to use the comics as source material and inspiration for new stories. I mean, as much as us diehard comic fans don't want to admit it, it would get boring if we just watched all the stories from the comics play out on the big screen. So when I look at it in that light, I'm not bothered by the fact that they changed who the Mandarin was fundamentally, especially because now it looks like Mandarin is going to be the primary villain in the Shang-Chi films. And he might be better suited to fight the Mandarin anyway because he's a martial artist. And um, I think it's going to go together really well. So I already wasn't super disappointed, but now I'm even more optimistic that Marvel's going to make it right, the quote-unquote wrongs that they did to a famous villain like the Mandarin. Yeah, okay. Now, what's your... Oh, name is... Uh, I can't speak. You're good. Uh, the, next, the next phase for the MCU, mm-hmm. what is... what? 
MCU movie you're looking forward the most for the next phase? Um, man, I'm ex- besides the besides the Fantastic. Okay, movie. yeah, you got me there. You knew that I was gonna say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that that's a good question because so many of them are really promising. I almost just want to go to Moon Knight because uh, he's one of my favorite heroes as well, but he's going to be part of the Disney Plus TV show. Um, yeah. But I have a lot of faith in the next Thor film, uh, Love and Thunder, because, uh, well, um, I just really love Thor Ragnarok. Ragnarok is, I think, one of the top three or four MCU films. And then the other thing is that they said Christian Bale, who you probably know and many people probably know as Batman from the Dark Knight trilogy. Um, Christian Bale is going to play Gore the God Butcher. And Gore is someone who lives on this like dry, dusty planet with his family. And they live in caves and they pray every day that enough dew will form on the cave walls for them to be able to lick to survive. And they eat these beetles and bugs and larvae from the dirt. Like that is their life. That's their entire existence. And every day, every one of them is praying to the gods for a better life and nothing happens. And so Gore suggests maybe the gods don't care about us. And because of this, they kick him out of the village and his whole family dies and he's wandering in the desert. And right before he dies, he comes across this fallen god on their planet who's really crippled, and he's like, please help me. And Gore is like, why would I help you? And he kills this god, and he takes from the god this weapon. It's like this black symbiote, kind of like what Venom looks like. And he now has this really powerful weapon, and he goes around the universe with this weapon just slaughtering gods because none came to save him and his family. So he thinks all the gods are unjust and they deserve to die. And, of course, we know Thor is a god, so he gets in the crosshairs of Gore. And he is a brutal, just intense character. And if anyone can portray him, I think it's Christian Bale. And as long as they don't go too jokey with it, I think it could be maybe the best film in the MCU that pertains to one hero like Thor. Okay, okay, yeah. When Once I'm going to see that, I'm going to say, hey, that's Batman. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> I, Batman meets yeah, I, I hope <laughs> that his voice is unique enough because I think everyone knows Christian Bale for his Batman voice, and I don't want I don't want there to be too many memes about that. Like I want people to appreciate Gore for oh, how right. serious of a villain he is. Yeah. But so at the same time, we have Hela in um, Ragnarok, and she's like she's scary. She's death, and Ragnarok is still a very light-hearted film with a lot of humor in it. And again, it's a fantastic mm-hmm. film. But I don't necessarily want that again if we're going to get Gore the God Butcher in a story. Yeah. Want it more serious with the, especially with this, with this film. Exactly. Uh, feeling. You want that serious. And I'm looking forward to see um, Thor, uh, Love Is it Lovely it's, God? Uh, it's Love, Love and Thunder. Love and Thunder. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I keep saying Love and God. I don't <laughs> know why. But, anyways, now, the one movie I'm looking forward for this next phase, MCU, and there's there's a bunch, and one of the main thing is the Doctor Strange. Yes, I can't wait to see what they do with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. There's so much that can happen, so I'm trying not to overhype it in my head. But yeah, there's a lot of potential there. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that with Scarlet, with Scarlet will be in that Doctor Strange too, according to the yeah, movie, yeah. So. That's what I've heard. And are you keeping up with uh, WandaVision on Disney Plus? Yep, I just watched the last one. I knew that. Spoiler alert. Spoiler, do you yes, I've seen it. I've seen it. Don't worry about me. Okay. Okay. Spoiler alert. So, 
don't don't say I didn't <laughs> warn people if we listen to this. <laughs> so I knew that neighbors up to something because that that smirk looked really annoying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the smirk look of her face. I knew she's up to something. I was right. I knew she's watching human be. <laughs> But you know, but I, I enjoy. I love that show. I I enjoy Wanda, and I thought it was a tremendous show. And, and I like the way they're building up. The only complaint I have is it's only what twenty. Oh gosh, it's so short. It's more. yeah. It's funny that you say that. I was just talking about this with someone the other day. I think the show is so good, and I'm I'm honestly probably too generous with Marvel properties. Like I give them every opportunity to impress me because I want to like it all. Like I'll be honest, I want to enjoy everything that's Marvel that's out. Right. And um, it's a good show. It's well acted. It seems well written. But I'm not going to lie. The pace is very slow. Because here we are. We are two episodes away. And there's only been one kind of big reveal. Like what you just talked about. And like there's still so much more we need to know. Are they going to cram all of that into these final 40 to 50 minutes? Or, and this is what I don't want to happen. Are we setting up for a cliffhanger that's not going to be solved until Doctor Strange 2? I don't want that. I want this show to tell a full story on its own. Full stop. I don't want to have to wait for the story to be resolved in Doctor Strange 2. That's my hope anyway. Okay. Yeah, we got to wait and see. So, two more episodes left. Yeah, it? two more episodes. I and, and I hope uh, there were rumors that the last three episodes would be an hour each, which sounds amazing. That's a film right there. But you and I, we both just watched the third to last episode, and it was not an hour. I think it was its usual 25 minutes, and we have two more. And, I mean, I hope they're an hour. Uh, but if they're not an hour, then they really need to start cramming some information in. Because even if they reveal a huge villain, and I know a lot of people have said this, and it's just a fan theory. It could be totally wrong. But if they reveal that Mephisto is behind it, or Nightmare is behind it, or, uh, you know, anyone else, then we only have now two episodes of introducing this character and potentially defeating the character. And that's not a lot of time. Yeah. Maybe it'll continue for the next season. So maybe? I, I, I actually think. am confused. I, uh, I thought that this show was a, uh, uh, like a special series or something. I didn't know if it was a show that was going to have multiple seasons. Are you a hundred percent on that point? No, I'm not. 100%. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure I, either. I thought, I thought so, but, but I'm not hundred percent sure. I thought maybe, it's a series when it's like season one. And yeah, we'll two. we'll see. I I don't want to say one hundred percent either way because I could be wrong. But I thought it was going to be a one season and we're done. But now again, given that we're two episodes think, away from the ending and there's a lot left to uncover, I I could be wrong. No, yeah, I guess we'll see. Uh, I mean, it kind of maybe makes sense that it connects to the MCU. Whatever the next plan they have for this next right, right, yeah. There's definitely opportunity to connect it to a film or even another TV show. I just, um, while I'm fine with that happening, I don't want to end this show on, you know, like a literal type of cliffhanger where, you know, Wanda's about to be struck down by Mephisto and the season ends. That will really disappoint me. Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. And speaking of the next MCU TV series on Disney Plus, uh, which TV series you're looking forward to most that will be coming in soon? So. Yeah, no, good question, because I said I'm excited for Moon Knight, but that one hasn't even been officially cast, so that'll be a long way off. Um, I guess if I'm looking at this year, um, it's kind of weird, but I think I'm looking forward to What If the most. Are you familiar with that one? I heard about that because someone met, come explain to me what that is, which is like a is it is it, is it cartoon? Yeah, right? so it is it is a cartoon, and um, so that's like 
uh, it, you know, it's kind of strange, but at the same time, I'm fine with animated things. And, and we're actually getting a lot of the voice actors back. Like, I think Robert Downey and Chris Evans, they're coming back to perform those roles again. So that's really cool. And it's going to be, what if Peggy Carter uh, became Captain, not America, but let's say Captain Britain. So let's, let's just say, what if Peggy Carter took the super soldier serum? What if uh, T'Challa became Star-Lord? What if there were zombies in the Marvel Universe? And some of these things have been explored in comics already, but either way, I think these are going to be original retellings, which is cool. And it also is going to go on for a little while, because if you, um, if you look at the projections right now, as long as none of the current MCU films are delayed, from right now when me and you are talking till the end of the year, there's not a single week that's going to go by where we don't get a new Marvel item. So we go from WandaVision to Falcon and Winter Soldier, then Black Widow, uh, Black Widow to, I believe, Loki to Shang-Chi, which is another film in July. Uh, then I think it's What If to The Eternals in November, and then Miss Marvel to Spider-Man 3 to Hawkeye, which takes us into the new year. So we have a lot to look forward to. That's every single week something is going to be yeah. dropping. Yeah, hopefully they don't push back. Oh, man, I'm so tired of the delays. Like, I, I wanted 2020 to be uh, my year for NCU, and instead I had to wait a full year to get anything. It's crazy. I know this whole world going on thinks a lot politicians. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not wrong. I know it's but, crazy, man. Yeah, it is. It is, you know. And, you know, uh, now the series I'm looking forward to on Disney Plus is, of course, the Winter the uh, the Winter Soldier. Oh, and Falcon and Falcon. Winter Soldier. Falcon. Yes, that looks so good. Falcon. Yeah, Falcon. Yeah, and that's coming out next month. Uh, yes, yeah, starts March. here in March. So as soon as WandaVision is done, we are going to get... So um, after WandaVision is done, the next week we're going to get a making of WandaVision. And then it looks like every single time that Marvel drops a property, the following week, they're going to release a making of episode on Disney+. Plus. So we get WandaVision, we get the making of WandaVision. Right after that, we get Falcon and Winter Soldier. Once that's done, we get the making of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That looks really good. There are some other ones I'm looking forward to, Loki. And I do have a theory about this whole Loki connected to this. Oh, wait, what's that? What's that, yeah. You remember from the end game, they go trout get the stones with Loki was handcuffed and he has that terrible. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's that, right. That box. And, and come back or go to the, I guess, the next dimension. I guess you want to mm -hmm. call that or portable, whatever it is. I wonder if that's maybe it's connecting to something with this next. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good point. I, I, I just don't know if he's going to connect to the big, the bigger picture or not. Yeah, I try. I try to figure out what could it be because I, I think there's something big plans regarding that mixed to this whole multiverse with you know with maybe with Wanda connect to this Doctor Strange. Yeah, too, it, it only something. makes sense because we're getting like Loki is very clearly dead in the universe that we observe, yeah. and now he's getting his own show. And I mean, it makes sense to me. I'm not saying that's crazy because this is Marvel and they've explained how it's happened, but at the same time. You know, this is a multiverse. This is a different universe where Loki is alive. So where to expect that doesn't play into the multiverse of madness or anything else? I mean, that'd be crazy. But it also it would kind of be crazy to bring Tom Hiddleston's Loki back when he's dead, um, you know, in our universe. So, I mean, I don't know. There's so much craziness going on. I guess it's hard to keep up. 
Yeah, it is. So I'm looking forward to it. And the one under the radar is She-Hulk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you don't want to forget She-Hulk. She is a, such a cool character and that she retains her intelligence yeah. when she becomes the She-Hulk. And um, uh, yeah, I'm really excited for her show as well. Yeah. And do, who you like to see play as She-Hulk? Uh, I think they actually announced who was going to play as She-Hulk. Okay. Yeah, it's this. Uh, dang it, I, I, I'm not too good with um, TV actors, and I think she primarily acts in uh, television. This is going to be a weird way to describe her, but I believe she's someone who makes an appearance in that show Parks and Recreation, and she has like a date or something with um, Aziz Ansari's character, Tom Haverford. And I'm sorry, that's such a poor description of her, but I, I, I saw her picture and I looked at her name and filmography, and I didn't recognize anything else that she was in. Uh, I don't. I heard that show. I just don't watch. Okay, yeah. Uh, so I, I don't yeah. think she was like a huge star, but uh, nothing really uh, unique about her. Not to be rude or anything, but like she didn't stand out to me in any way. Whereas she's like huge or super strong. Because a lot of people were saying, "Oh, it needs to be someone who's uh, you know really buff and fit." And I'm like, "No, again, the whole point of Hulk is the transformation. You don't need her to be super fit." Um, but yeah, she's just like a yeah. probably like thirty something actress. Yeah, and now do you see possible Bruce Banner be a little bit part um, of the She-Hulk? It's kind series? of inevitable. I don't know if you've read the original Sensational She-Hulk, but what happens is they are actually cousins, and he like yeah. stops in very abruptly because he's looking for a place to lay low because people are pursuing him because he's the Hulk, and she is um, on the tail of these you know these bad guys, these gangsters. I think she's a reporter. And they shoot at her in a drive-by, and he's there. So he does, because he's a doctor and he's a genius, he does a blood transfusion with his cousin right then and there. And then he has to leave because people show up. And when she's in the hospital recovering, you find that because they're cousins and they share some of the same you know, DNA or bloodline, that the Hulk or the gamma radiation infects her in a way similar to the way it infects the Hulk, and she can Hulk out. So the, the very fact that She-Hulk exists actually invites Bruce Banner to show up. So I feel like he has to. Okay, yeah. You see maybe a possible Red Hulk appear? I I want to see all the Hulks. I want Red Hulk, and I want She-Hulk, and I want the Red She-Hulk, and I want Grey Hulk. I want Joe Fix-It. I love the Hulk as a character. He's actually the one I'm doing my next podcast episode on. Um... So, like, I love Hulk, and I hope that Red Hulk shows up, but at the same time, I feel like that's a long way off, because in the MCU, um, we don't even have a Hulk solo property yet, and that's Thunderbolt Ross, who's made it his whole life mission to capture Hulk. And I don't know if if you're familiar, but do you know why we don't have a Hulk solo film yet, since that original one that kind of tanked? be honest with you i I'm, i may have some theories but I'm, well so there's there's two primary reasons and one is uh within the universe of hulk and it's because it's kind of difficult i think for them to tell a cohesive story when the point of the story is someone who doesn't want to be there because bruce is all about preventing the hulk from hulking out and that's the only reason people go see a hulk movie so you're kind of fighting with what is going to make the movie successful right that's just like my personal theory but the other reason is that universal has actually retained the distribution rights for the hulk character ever since they bought them so while disney has full creative control of using the hulk they can do that all they want 
if they make a Hulk solo film, which is about the Hulk, then Universal distributes it and they get the money for doing that. So Disney is not going to waste millions of dollars making a Hulk film when they can't get the same amount of profit they would off of Black Panther, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Iron Man, Doctor Strange. These are films that Disney can write, produce, and distribute, and they can't do the same with the Hulk film because they sold the rights to the Hulk and Universal has retained those distribution rights. Mm, okay, yeah. Yeah. I- it is what it is. Um, I like to see the Hulk solo boy done properly. Yeah, I know. Um, personally. And I want, I want to see it happen, whether it's a TV series or a movie. It, because Hulk is a iconic... Oh, I mean, absolutely. Basically. He's someone who has, like, really broken into mainstream culture as far as, like, the, the impact. Like, visually, people know who the Hulk is and, yeah. and the expression of, oh, you know, like, hulking out. And, um, yeah, like, he's someone who transcends all kinds of boundaries, and, like, he's a very iconic character. You're right. Like, you you know, you know what the Hulk looks like, and you know his whole deal. Uh, yeah, he's a big deal. So I wish that we could get a really good film of him done right, but, yeah, we'll see if that ever happens. Yeah, definitely. And do you like to see the Michael playing as Bruce Banner, if they do? Oh uh, yeah, I think he's been a fine Bruce Banner. I'm uh, like I was trying to pick who I thought the best Hulk was, and Edward Norton had him for that single film, and I can't even remember the person who played before him. But I think he's done a fine job of yeah. being the Hulk. I think that he's leaned more into um, I don't know the best way to describe it, but I think in the Avengers film, the first one, I think you really see Mark Ruffalo play up the the nerdiness and the awkwardness of Bruce Banner. Cause like, that's who Bruce Banner is. I think in the comics originally, it's like this man weighs 98 pounds. Like he was like a scrawny weakling nerdy guy. Right. And like, couldn't even talk in full sentences. Yeah. Cause he would just get nervous. And in the same way that he's grown out of that in the comics, just being a normal dude, who's a scientist and then also hulks out. Mark Ruffalo doesn't really play that Bruce Banner anymore. And to me, it's kind of lost a little bit of the magic. I, I really like seeing him like, stutter over his own words because he's nervous and he's always like kind of like wringing his hands because he's on edge just being around so many people i love that stuff but i think that the uh directors told mark ruffalo like no you don't have to play him the same way anymore but in the end at the end of the day i think he is doing a good job playing the hulk yeah i got you and we we talk about reboot with bugari marvel Mm -hmm. characters which give me a top five marvel characters you need, that needs to be put. Oh, okay. That I want to see, like in the Marvel universe. Um, yes. All right. Yeah. No, that's that's good. I think number one that I just I want to see, and the thing is, I don't know if he's coming or not. Is Silver Surfer? Um, the Silver Surfer oh, is like this okay. really unique lone gunslinger type because he starts as a villain, but then you find out that he was sort of brainwashed by Galactus, so he's on this path to redemption and he knows that he can never be forgiven for all the bad things that he's done because he's led the devourer of worlds to so many worlds that this isn't something that can be excused but he just wants to um like he wants all the good deeds to one day outweigh the bad and so he has such an interesting impetus for being a hero because he knows how terrible what he's done in the past is so like oh man like give him a solo film like there's so much you can do there right especially with the right actor like I kind of see Keanu Reeves playing Silver Surfer because he has such depth to everything that he says. 
Um, so that's one. I think another really cool one would be Ghost Rider. He definitely needs a reboot because he was Nicolas Cage, if you remember, um, a few years ago. But I've done a whole podcast episode on him as well, and he's so interesting that there's just a lot of potential there. So Ghost Rider would be number two. Number three, I would say, would be Adam Warlock, who is invented by these scientists to be the perfect man like just the perfect specimen and he's very powerful and he's actually heavily involved with the original infinity gauntlet story which infinity wars is based on so he's had a lot of like big stories that he's come into play and um he just like he's like an android but he's also a human and whenever he's died he's automatically reborn in this cocoon so there's a lot of cool stuff there um another kind of weird one is the cosmic ghost rider and the Cosmic Ghost Rider is this insane, cool new character by Donny Cates. It's actually Frank Castle, so the Punisher, sells his soul to the devil, becomes Ghost Rider, comes back to a world that is devoid of all life because Thanos got there first. So he travels the world for thousands of years, going insane, completely alone. Galactus shows up looking for Reed Richards to help him. And then he sells his soul again to Galactus to become his herald just like Silver Surfer was. So now he's a cosmic ghostwriter imbued with the power cosmic. And then from there, Thanos kills Galactus and Thanos takes him in as a slave. So this is someone else who has sold his soul to like three devils and he's on this path to redemption, but he's also completely insane because he's a human that's been around for hundreds of thousands of years. So that is one that I think I would love to see come into the MCU. Um, another I would like to see is the Grey Hulk or Joe Fixit Hulk. See, Bruce Banner has multi-personalities in the comics, and so uh, the Grey Hulk or Joe Fixit, he kind of like, he has the ability to think, but he's like a, a mobster boss in Las Vegas, and he's looking out for himself, so he's not quite Bruce Banner or Hulk, and he's intelligent, and he can stay in the Hulk form and still think and speak. So he's very interesting, and I would love to see what they can do with Hulk. Um, you know, as someone who can talk and like have long conversations and make plans because a lot of Hulk's best stories like World War Hulk or um, Planet Hulk, they're stories where Hulk is not someone who's coming and going. He's just Bruce Banner is the Hulk and he's, you know, making plans and he's making relationships and he's forming uh, battalions this way. So there's a lot of things they can do with Hulk, which they haven't yet. And I understand why, but I, I still want to see it. And then my final and fifth character that I really think needs to be in the MCU um, I'm trying to think because I want to prioritize. I would probably say Cloak and Dagger if you're familiar with them. Um, oh, well, yeah, series yeah, yeah. It was a series yet. on Hulu, and I watched that, and it was pretty good. But I still think, unfortunately, I think the Marvel Studios could do it better, and then also could put them in films, and they kind of belong with Spider-Man anyway because that's where they first showed up. So I would love to see them in a real Marvel Studios property. You would like to see cast them um man i you know what because they're so young because they're like literally teenagers i have no idea like i it would have to be someone who i i mean i think marvel does a great job casting to be honest but i would want them to find the people they think yeah. are best because you know how hard it is to pick young actors and actresses because you know it's so hard to find them yeah that's true that's true yeah now we talk a little bit about the big bad wolf family right. the big bad wolf who you think will be the big bad wolf? For so I really space. do think it's going to be Dr. Doom. And I know that both you and I are, are hoping for that. And uh, so I don't want to just say yeah. it because I'm optimistic. But I mean, I don't see a reason why it wouldn't be. I think he's he's got the complexity 
to um, exist across a lot of movies. He's the antithesis to Fantastic Four, which, I mean, like I said, Fantastic Four is one of the biggest superhero properties of all time. I know they don't have the name recognition right now that they did in the 90s and 80s, but that's because they belonged to Sony for a long time and Marvel Studios wasn't able to touch them. But now that they're going to make the Fantastic Four, I think we're setting up for the Fantastic Four to be, they're going to be the next Avengers. Like they are going to be the next huge thing, this cultural force that everybody knows about. And I'm hoping and I'm praying that I'm right. But if that's the case, then it only makes sense that their arch nemesis, Dr. Noom, would be the next big bad guy that we are slowly setting up to fight. Well, it might be Galaxic. So, okay, so I've, I've thought about that too. And again, that's a Fantastic Four villain. And we could also introduce the Silver Surfer. But the thing is, is that even though I love Galactus because I understand the complexities that he has as a character and, um, and what makes him so compelling, at the end of the day, I don't know if his story is one that can be told over the span of 10 movies. Cause like, okay. So I know Thanos only shows up, I think a little bit in uh, after credit scenes and he's in guardians of the galaxy, I believe. And then he shows up in infinity war and that's it. So I know he doesn't get a ton of screen time, but the infinity gauntlet and his jewels get a ton of screen time. So these are all things that build up to Thanos, right? But I don't know yeah. if you can do the same thing with Galactus, because like I said, I'm going to put this in the most basic terms possible for anyone who doesn't know who or what Galactus is. He is a huge uh, universal constant, this force that needs to eat, and he eats planets. So he doesn't have any ill will toward the heroes. He's not like Thanos saying, I will shred this universe down and smile on a grateful galaxy. He's just a guy who needs to eat and he sees it as a um, as a moral neutral because like he's, he's like, I got to do it. Like, this is what I'm here to do is consume energy. And to do that, I, I eat planets and it's, I can't just find empty ones all the time. So therefore, I eat planets and people die. So like, you know, you know what I'm saying? I don't know if you can set that up across 10 years of films like they did with the Infinity Gauntlet. Mm, okay, yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting if we find out. Yeah. Uh, who, who, or, well, I mean, who you know, knows? But, we learned about it? Thanos as early as, uh, was it Avengers 1, I think, where he shows up on screen and he puts on a gauntlet and says, fine, I'll do it myself. Um, so, like, that was a long time ago. I think in the next three or four years, we could probably expect to see who the next big villain is going to be, I hope. Yeah, yeah and... I hope it's Dr. Doom, and it's, you know, makes sense. Dr. Doom, the next big bad wolf is, you know, of course. I'm I have, I'm confident that Marvel will do these right. Um, it's not like... Yeah, I don't know. I think they'll do us justice. <laughs> the, the only problem, I guess, when I really try yeah. to think about the next big bad guy is that it's hard to think of someone who is going to match uh, Thanos' level of threat because Thanos was willing to kill half the universe and succeeded, right? So, like... If, if we started yeah. smaller, if we started where the Green Goblin or Norman Osborn was the big bad guy, because I don't know if you know this, but um, Norman Osborn is, is more than just the Green Goblin. He's a part of the Cabal, which is this little organization of very intelligent and evil people like uh, Loki, Emma Frost, himself, Dr. Doom, Namor, the Hood. So, like, he has things that are more important, really, than just being the Green Goblin. But he's evil. And if we had gone from him, then we have the potential to move up to kingpin or hammerhead or magneto or maybe um maybe hulk from world war hulk where he wants to destroy the earth but now if we got down to a level of a bad guy who just wanted to destroy the earth 
Well, he's already infinitely less threatening than Thanos because Thanos wanted to cut the ga- or the universe in half, right? So they started with Thanos as the yeah. bad guy, the big bad guy, and that's fine. He's a fantastic villain. But if you have nowhere to go but up, where are you going to go from someone who successfully wipes out half the universe and then is within 10 seconds of destroying the entire universe down to its last atom before Tony Stark stops him? Like, we really have to find a very serious threat and one that doesn't feel like small potatoes compared to what Thanos was. Yeah, gotcha. I, you know, I was, th- I, you mentioned about small potatoes, and I love my <laughs> potatoes, by the way. <laughs> and, and, you know, I was like, the big bad wolves, what if it's like a group of villains, like, say, the Sinister Oh, man, oh, that would be, that would be so cool. I, I don't know if they would make them the ones that are overarching for a number of people, unless maybe they were run by a super genius. I mean, like Norman Osborn or Doc Ock, who had like a bigger plan. Maybe like their plan is to wipe out yeah. everyone with superpowers somehow, like they are able to find them all and, and destroy them. Like that would be cool. But um, yeah, I would love yeah. to see the Sinister Six come into the storyline at some point, like, you know, hopefully in a Spider-Man film. I guess someone they could go with is um, yeah. this new character, again, written by Donny Cates, who's one of my favorite modern uh, Marvel authors. This character he came up with called Null, who is the god of the symbiotes, which is what, you know, Venom and Carnage are. And he is returned to Earth. And the modern, this is happening right now in Marvel Comics, he's returned to Earth to basically just consume everything with symbiote. And the sky is blacked out. And he's taking control of everyone from Captain America to the thing with the symbiote. Like, you know, he's controlling them now. And, um, I mean, there's some potential there for a very cool villain. Yeah, and you mentioned about Phantom, which we will have a Phantom meet Carnage. Yes. Part two. Yep, we are going to have Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage. And there hasn't even been a trailer yet. But, yeah, that movie does come out this year. Yeah, this year. Because originally it was supposed to come out last year. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I know. Everything's delayed. And and I wonder if Spider-Man's going to be part of it. I I read a leak that said he might have a cameo, but I'm trying not to look forward to that because if I'm wrong, I'd be disappointed. So... I don't know, like, you know, he could be, but, yeah, I'm, I'm not counting on it. Yeah, because in the comics, Phantom and Spider-Man team up to fight oh, yeah. Carnage. Yeah, oh, no, you're yeah, absolutely they're... right. That's Carnage's, um, I think his first appearance, actually, is when they team up. And in the same way that Spider-Man feels responsible for Venom and everything he does because he created him, Venom feels that way about Carnage because Venom is an anti-hero. He thinks he's a hero just because he's willing to kill bad guys doesn't make him bad. That's that's his logic. So the fact that um, Carnage sees himself as purely an agent of chaos who is evil and wants to kill just anyone because he doesn't care about life. Venom knows he's evil and he wants to stop him because he feels responsible. So it's a very cool dynamic to see. Spider-Man thinks Venom's evil and wants to stop him, but Venom thinks Carnage is evil and wants to stop him, and they have to work together to do that. Is it maybe possible to connect to that this next phase? I mean, I'm, I'm sure you. Yeah, I'm sure you could if you wanted to, but I don't know if Sony wants to because you know they already had the one point of contention where Sony was like, "Okay, forget it. You guys can't use Spider-Man anymore," and then they worked it out. But um, like you know, I don't know how involved they want their properties to be. True, true. One of these days, Disney's gonna buy Sony. Too. Yeah, that's honestly that's what I'm waiting for too. <laughs> It is gonna. It's bound to happen, man. It's bound to. I mean, if Fitzgerald can buy WCW, 
Disney will buy like, Sony. <laughs> and I have such mixed feelings about it because from a consumer standpoint, I like all the Marvel properties being under uh, Disney's umbrella, right? Like, I think it's great that they can collaborate and all yes. that. But from a business standpoint, and this is not something that I get too deep into because I am not an expert in business. I just like fiction and I like Marvel comics. But the things that Disney does that are nefarious, so like, for example, um, they have rules about who can show their films in theaters, right? And uh, so so let's say to show a Disney film, uh, we want you to put this film that we're putting out, like, let's say Dumbo. We want Dumbo in three rooms. If you don't have it in three rooms, we don't want you to show it at all. And so maybe there's this town that has uh, a population of 3,000 people. And they're like, yeah, we have a theater, but we only have three rooms. So I only need Dumbo for one room. And then Disney says, well, guess what? If you don't show Dumbo in three rooms, we're not going to let you show Star Wars 7 um, later this year in December. So then this poor theater, and this is their only source of income for like a few thousand people who live close enough to come, are like, okay, we are going to lose out on four weeks of business because no one wants to see Dumbo, and it's the only movie we can show to meet the accommodations of three rooms just because if we don't show Star Wars in December, we're not making any money in December either. And so like, I this is just a dumb example, but this is actually something that happened as well, and I could find the actual like statistics on where this happened later and DM it to you. But this is stuff that Disney does that makes me feel bad, and I hate that they're a monopoly because they're not treating the people who work with them fairly. But at the same time, from a creative standpoint, I hate that we have to consider this. They should. I wish we could disconnect the business and the creative aspect of it. You know. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, it's. I wish like companies will. I mean, we see Sony and Marvel team up, uh, work together a little bit. I wish they'd be more, less. Yeah, well, that, that's stuff. exactly Basically, right. Like, well, okay, so we Marvel. saw them get together for Far From Home, right? That was um Sony's characters, and they said Marvel Studios, aka Disney, you take creative control, you do whatever you want, and um, we'll split the profits with you a bit. And obviously, Sony got a lot more of those profits because it was their character. But that was the first film Sony did that grossed yeah. a billion dollars. It grossed over a billion dollars with a B. So this is what happens when they team up is they make something that is uh, universal and truthful to so many people that so many people feel invested in. And that's great. But then what happened when they were done? They immediately started fighting because Sony wanted to renegotiate and be like, OK, this time you guys have creative control, but you don't get to make any of the money. We'll take all the profits. But hey, the good news is you can use Spider-Man in your films, which is good for you. And I believe that's when Disney pushed back and was like, no, we're not just going to make the movie for you for free and not take any of the profits. And that's what resulted in us losing Spider-Man from Disney for a little while. So you're, you're right, though. It's the yeah. politics are crazy yeah. insane. Politics, yeah. I, I think politics ruined a lot of things, a lot of ruined people, ruined people's characters or, you know, whatever, you know, and... That's why I try to stay away from politics, even though I bash politics <laughs> on Twitter, even now and then. <laughs> and yeah, it is what it is. But anyways, it's good talking to you. Oh, you know what? The one yeah. movie we haven't talked about, and one of the movies I, I'm looking forward to this next phase in MCU is the reboot of the. Oh yeah, that one uh, kind of flew under my radar because like not many people are talking about it right now, but I think it's going to be phenomenal. I'm, I'm so excited. I agree. I agree. I agree. And uh, I love the Wesley Snipes Blade. Blade. Mm-hmm. That was iconic. I, I enjoy that, especially the first one. And, you know, and I wonder if Wesley Snipes would be maybe a camo, maybe, for this. Yeah, I, yeah. you never know. That could happen. Um, but, but, I mean, I'm I'm really excited. And it's like, Blade's kind of a darker character. Um, 
So, like, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go. He also acts uh, alongside Morbius a lot, but Morbius is a Sony property and Blade is Marvel Studios. So I'm very excited to see what that does to the MCU. Yeah, me too. And I wonder how this will be connected to this next phase, too, because they say it's... I'm sure they're not going to waste any movie. I think every movie is going to play into the next phase somehow. It's just a matter of waiting to see what they have in mind. Yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully no movies delayed, no TV series delayed. And hopefully this thing go back tomorrow and maybe probably oh, man. disappear. <laughs> if only. <laughs> but if only, yeah. But it's great talking to you. We talk about the Marvel stuff and everything. And you're you're welcome to come Oh back man, that would be it. great actually. I'd love to talk with you again and we can get, I don't know, more details or into the weeds of specific stories or anything. Um yeah, that would be great. Yeah, especially with this once we move on to this next phase a little bit further, you know. Uh, we can talk a little bit more in depth, you know, uh, more what, what we think about this. What do you think about what happened to Loki? Or, yeah, I would love to do that, man. Died, for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, definitely. And I'll let you know, like, as okay. usual. Uh, like, like before, yeah, yeah, that sounds yeah. good. So, anyways, and yeah, I'll, I'll try to look for that name that I told you about. Okay, yeah, do that. Artist, definitely. This. So, I'm, I think his name is Jim. If the Jim Shooter? Maybe. I, because that name. Start with the S. Okay, all right. I just throw out a guess. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, anyways, um, follow me on Twitter, PWH10. Let's Talk Podcast has a Facebook page. Give a like, give a follow. Um, I update new episodes, new guests, um, and that good stuff. Let's Talk Podcast is available from nine different platforms, which you can listen to all the episodes, including this episode from nine different platforms, such as Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Breaker, Overcast, Pocketcast, Google Podcast, and Radio Public. The next Let's Talk Podcast returns next Saturday night on Let's Talk Podcast, which Michael will be my guest. And we will talk about the character of Dr. Fate. Uh-huh, another Marvel character. No, that's DC, <laughs> actually. <laughs> my bad. Another, that's DC. Never mind. We're going to talk about Dr. Fate. Well, also, we're going to talk about the upcoming Black Adam movie, too. Um, hopefully that I believe that come out this year. And plus, and much, much, much more. So stay tuned for next Saturday on um, Let's Talk Podcast. Is there anything you want to plug in uh, podcast? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, So my podcast is called Marvel A to Z, and I dig into the backgrounds and some of the themes that we see in different Marvel characters over the years. I just choose one going through the alphabet one at a time. So I'd love to have anyone who's interested in comics to come listen. And then you can find me on Twitter at Marvel A number two Z. Uh, follow me message me if you want to talk comics or anything like that i am always down to get lost in the weeds talking fan theories or about comics best of worst of anything like that and phil thank you again so much for having me on it was a real blast talking to you yes likewise likewise thanks for being part of the podcast um we have great fun hopefully we get some magic power like dr strange maybe that will wait (laughs) that sounds great (laughs) uh would that be amazing? We got like magic power, like, only. strings. Wow, that was, yeah, if only then. But anyways, so everyone, stay safe, wear a mask, everyone, and have a 